0: This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report.
1: Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor, to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the Touchdown!
0: The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Darren Urban, and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton.
1: We are reminded way too often just how precious life is. We received another reminder yesterday. The Arizona Cardinals lost a teammate, a family lost a son and young father. Cornerback Jeff Gladney was killed in a car accident early Monday morning and is with heavy hearts that we join you here on the Cardinals Red Sea Reports. Greg Ria, Lou Drew Stanton, and Darren Urban. Jeff Gladney did not know him personally. Got to admit that up front, Darren. He was a recent Signing, a recent Arizona Cardinal, signed in March and gone way too soon, just 25 years old. And it's unfortunate, did not get a chance to know the young man because there was a lot of excitement in the building about what he could bring to the team. But that is besides the point right now. Uh, there are some heavy hearts not only here, but with the Gladney family.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a strange situation a little bit, Craig, because – um, as you mentioned, he did just sign, um, with the way the off season goes and, and with the voluntary nature of it, he is, he, he just started coming last week when OTAs began. Um, you know, from what I've heard, uh, there's a, he was, had a smile on his face and he was here to work hard. Um, but. You know he was just starting to get to know a lot of these guys and obviously some of the some of his teammates didn't get a chance to know him because they weren't here and and now he's gone and it, it's just a sobering reminder again that this can be fleeting and uh, to hug your loved ones and unfortunately um this is a very uh close to home example of what i think this whole country is going through after everything that happened last week and it's just it's just very rough
1: The Arizona Cardinals released a statement, quote, we are devastated to learn of Jeff Gladney's passing. Our hearts go out to his family, friends, and all who are mourning this tremendous loss. Teammates on Twitter, Drew, Zach Allen, Zayven Collins, Isaiah Simmons, J.J. Watts, all current teammates and as Darren mentioned maybe had just met him had known him for just a brief amount of time and now all of a sudden they walk into that locker room here on Tuesday morning and a teammate is no longer there
3: Yeah, you know, there is a brotherhood that goes along with playing this game, and if you've been in a locker room at any level of playing this sport, um, you know, you realize the bond that is created, and that was forming, but it also gives you perspective. I mean, I think when we look at this, and this is an amazing game that we get to play as professionals, but when you lose somebody and you realize that locker space is never going to be filled, and the effect that it has on his family, on his one-year-old son that will no longer know his father, it makes you realize realize, okay, uh, each day is not guaranteed, and we get constant reminders of that, unfortunately. Uh, but at the same time, to hear his teammates at TCU talk about him, to hear about the kind of guy that he was and the trajectory of where his career was headed because of the man he was becoming, that's what the sad part is is because you don't get to see it come full circle of, hey, he got another opportunity because things weren't going in his direction. He didn't give up, but he was going to pursue that and and uh, be able to come here with a fresh start. And sometimes that's all guys need. And from his limited time here, knowing some of the guys that are in that locker room with him, that's what they were saying about so, again, that's secondary at a, at a time like this because it's so fresh. It's so hard to be able to digest something like this uh, because the finality of it is: is this kid has gone way too early. He's 25 years
1: old in that locker room right now, and during the course of the next days, weeks, months, on into the season, how do you, how do you move on as a team, teammates rallying around each other, and now understanding that yeah, things do need to move on. But at the same time, uh, the family also needs healing and support at the moment.
3: Yeah, you know, there's a balance within all of it. And I think that because these guys didn't know him extremely well, um, you know, you, you talk to guys and you want that legacy to live on. Whatever his legacy could have been or should have been is you want to make sure you highlight the positives within it. And that's what I would say if I was around this guy for whatever time that I was there. And unfortunately, he is not going to be a part of it because, you know, look, like, you can look at it many different ways and he was probably going to start to have a a pretty big role on this team that is all secondary um when it comes down to that because the beauty of playing in this league um and being around teammates you remember those locker room talks you remember all the things that necessarily didn't transpire on the field and when you lose somebody uh way too soon in this type of a setting it's just tragic and and there's no words that you can't wrap your mind around it um Again, you try to help uplift everybody else around you, but also the family that, uh, that he left behind. Or those are the people that you really feel for most in a situation like this.
1: That football component, there is part of that to this story, and it will be discussed, just not today. Maybe we'll get into that in the coming days and weeks, and it will be good to hear, hopefully, Darren, later this week, second week of OTAs and we hope to hear from head coach cliff kingsbury and i'm sure a lot of it is going to be about jeff gladney not the player but the person and why the cardinals wanted to give this young man a second chance and from all accounts teammates coaches he was anxious to get that second start here
2: yeah i mean everything that i've heard that is absolutely the case and and again like you said there's there's a time and place to kind of discuss some of this stuff. And I know I know there's fans out there that, let's face it, they don't necessarily have a personal connection to the players, so they're thinking about their team. Um, but, you know, right now it just feels very much like football is far away. Um, it's May, and uh, there's, there's time to worry about the football part of it. And I think, like, we've all been talking about it's right now you're trying to get your head around this organization is collectively trying to get their head around losing a person that was just here a few days ago like on the field laughing with some of his teammates and and working in those drills and then you know everybody goes off uh, for their memorial day weekend and and to have this happen is just it's a it's a gut punch in a lot of ways
1: Former first round pick, uh, the Minnesota Vikings, who also released a statement on Monday, quote, we are saddened by the tragic death of former Viking Jeff Gladney. Our hearts go out to his family and friends, as well as the Arizona Cardinals organization and Jeff's current and former teammates and coaches who are mourning his life loss much too soon. End of statement. Again, Jeff Gladney gone way too soon at the age of 25 years old. From all of us at the Red Sea Reports and the Arizona Cardinals, we offer our sincere condolences to the family and friends of Jeff Gladney.
2: Jackson on first down, wants to throw. Going deep. Looking for Hollywood Brown. And zone. Touchdown! Hollywood Brown! Surprise, surprise. He is a guy that makes sense for a number of reasons number one uh two years of controlled costs uh getting a dynamic receiver who's played inside outside obviously the chemistry with our quarterback and a guy who can be a dynamic vertical threat which is something we were looking for as well as i had a very strong feeling that the board was going to fall the way it did and i'm awfully glad that we made this trade
1: all right pop quiz darren yes do you know what today is What today marks here as we speak
2: on this May 31st? Uh, The end of May? Okay, I'll give you that. Well, thanks. I appreciate that.
1: 100 days from right now, the starts of the 2022 regular season. Of course, the Cardinals will have to wait three additional days before we see Marquise Brown and an Arizona Cardinals uniform, and a game that matters. Not counting preseason, but a game that matters.
2: I haven't even had a vacation yet, Greg, so I don't want to talk about the start of the season. <laughs> All right, then
1: Drew and I will talk about Marquise Brown. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> the excitement's on draft night. Obviously, no first-round draft pick, but now you have Marquise Brown in the fold. All right, let's go. Let's let's play head coach here, Drew. I've made you general manager before. We'll make you a head coach now. What do you do with Marquise Brown in this offense? Because when Kingsbury was asked about that earlier in May, he said, well, we just kind of need to fit, see where he fits. So I think things are still in motion. But when you don't have a DeAndre Hopkins, how does that kind of change things also?
3: Well, I think first getting him in the building is a good start to see where he's at, where he's comfortable at, get a gauge for what's going on. Um, and you kind of go from there. You, you, with some rookies, right, you want to kind of bring them along slowly. I would do the complete opposite. I would throw everything at him to see what sticks. I would say, okay, what can we get out of you right away that we know we don't even have to talk about? What can you tell us that you did with him that you really liked with Kyler or some of this stuff? Because there's a lot of parallels in the offense, whether or not the verbiage is the same. I'm sure they're going over different you know signals or being able to do all that. But a, a player of his caliber, of his skill set, you should be able to move him anywhere within this offense, and you get the ball in his hands as much as possible to see what he can do. Everybody's aware of how fast he is but his ability to make you know, plays on the inside. Can you do that? Can you do jet sweeps with him? Can you be able to play off some of those things? I think they probably have a good idea of how they want him to, but for the first portion of his career in the NFL, there's no sample that's going to say this is what he can do because what's going to be asked of him now is vastly different And going back to look at college tape that when he was beaten up on Iowa State, that's not really going to lend too much to what needs to be done um, in that regard. So I would throw everything at him and and see what you can do. And I'm sure him and Kyler, since they've been throwing and working together, will be on the same page and being able to get in here if he comes for mandatory mini camp or whatever it is, his involvement. Um, But. He's a guy that's going to have to step up in the absence for now, and he's got a lot to prove. And and I know that because he has not played uh, within this offense for a while, it could look very different than college. So I don't even think you're going to get a good barometer if you go back and watch that tape. It's all speculation at this point, but it'll be a fun training camp to see how it evolves each and every day because I'm sure they don't know how they're going to use him.
2: It's it's interesting because um, even though he hasn't he wasn't here for the first week of OTAs Hollywood Brown he did show up for a couple of different phase two workouts and obviously that's a lot different than anything you're not going against defenses and everything but watching him uh, kind of really get into conversations especially when they were running some uh, routes on air uh, with the other receivers and having him getting looking like he was in pretty deep discussions with Spencer Whipple or with Sean Jefferson. And, and and clearly those conversations have already started over. Okay. This is what we're trying to do. This is what we might do. And, you know, the speed is obvious. There was one phase two thing where they ran a play and, and they just basically told him to, to go on a, a fly pattern and he just ran down the field and it, the man can eat up yards at a, at a, incredible pace. So uh, obviously Drew's right I think they're going to throw a lot at him. I I think he was already trying to like kind of internalize some of that already. Hey, what are we doing there? It looked like he was kind of like pointing out some, okay, what are they trying to do here? And, uh, and as we go on, whether it's, whether he shows up for any of the OTAs or whether it's part of mandatory mini camp, or especially as, as Drew said, seeing in in training camp, what he gets to do, he's, he's going to have options because, Um, Like you said, with no DeAndre Hopkins, they're going to need a lot more out of him right out of the box, especially. I mean, I love this trade when I thought he was going to be paired with DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, it became a lot more uh, necessary with the news of Hopkins missing those six games, but... um, I know they got to get through those first six games, Craig, but I, 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 I'm I, very excited to see this offense when they have Hop and Brown on the field together.
1: It's encouraging to hear that conversations are taking place, and that maybe is more important than the actual on-field work because it's all right. What do you like to do, Marquise? All right, this is what we envision you. Let's see if we can come to some kind of happy medium or – we try a whole bunch of stuff, to Drew's point, and then, okay, well, that's not exactly how we like it, or we can tweak this. There's going to be a lot of experimenting, and that's what now is for. It's also what training camp is for.
3: Yeah, well, I think to that point, too, right, him and Kyler already have a rapport together. There are certain ways that they do things. You know, They both have a unique skill set at their given position that they can adapt on the fly, literally on the fly of, like, things are going, and it turns into a backyard football game. It's hard to be able to do that against a guy of his caliber and stay with him for a long period of time. I would imagine being a smaller guy, they're going to try and get hands on him. Is he able to get off the press? Is he able to go to get a two-way go in the slot? All of these things will kind of do that, but in saying that, I would also say I'm teaching you concepts. I want you to learn not X, not Z, not the slot, not this. I want you to see the whole picture because it's not like he's coming in as a rookie. He's going to be overwhelmed with what's being thrown at him. He's going to be able to understand concepts so that when DeAndre does come back, okay, you're not X anymore, but you're going to slide over to Z. You're interchangeable. You're doing all of these things, and it might not happen right away, and you might have bad days. It might not be pretty, but as long as, like you touched on earlier, the communication is there, it's a two-way street not only with the player and the coach, but between player and player of what they're looking for. It's a, it's a moving target, and that's why we have training camp. That's why we have all of these you know, different phases is to kind of build up to that. And I think what he brings to the table is a marquee type of first-round wide receiver that can be a go-to guy. You're just still trying to figure out what that looks like for the six games without the other Pro Bowl wide receiver across from him.
2: Drew, did you ever have a guy like... We're thinking Hollywood will be for Kyler, where you you have enough of a rapport that you you take a lot of the edge off trying to get that chemistry. Did you ever have a guy like that in your career, whether it was college or pro?
3: Well, I think there are certain guys you just feel more comfortable throwing to, right, that get in and out of breaks and you have a natural feel when you're throwing to them. I mean, John Brown was a guy that comes to mind here for a frame of reference for a lot of Cardinals fans when I was here because he started out as as a lower-round draft pick that worked his way up. He was so easy to throw to and he was just moving at a different speed than everybody else in and out of his breaks, so you had to put it more out in front. And he's just the guy that I always felt comfortable going to because I never felt like I could overthrow him. And so you got to you had to put it out there. It's a sti- similar skill set in that you know even when I played you know the the number of starts that I had here, he always had good games because I knew that he was going to get open for me. And there's certain guys. Again, it's communication. It's, say hey, I need you to be here at this certain time. Hey, when you come out of this break, make sure you're running out of it full speed. Hey, when you hit this corner route, take three hard steps to the corner. Don't look. Set your angle, and I'll put it out there for you. But if you peek and it's a little bit off, those guys that are speed guys, it, it's uh, if you have a great feel for Which obviously all of us are hoping they're going to step in day one and go right back to college. There's just you can play at a different speed, a different level, a different you know um, understanding of what this guy is going to do. That there's no adjustment period versus you know obviously we saw some growing pains last year with Kyler and AJ right like there's there's sometimes the acclimation phase that you still go through and that's why we're excited to see year two of those guys working together and some guys just take more time I mean another frame of reference is everybody thought Odell showed up to Cleveland and he was just going to be the guy and he's so easy to throw to he is so silky smooth in and out of breaks and adding stuff to things that sometimes it is difficult because his angle even though he's quote unquote wide open his angle might be different than what you're expecting and you have such a small art margin of error in this league to be able to have to get the ball out with anticipation from a quarterback's perspective that certain guys are more difficult versus the ease of guys that can just take the top off of coverage and say okay oh i know i'm not going to throw his arm because he can run for days
1: 11 touchdowns of 20 or more yards since 2019 that's what marquise brown brings to this offense but a lot of speculation we haven't seen it with the arizona cardinals Earlier, though, Marquise Brown on the Big Red Rage on what the Cardinals and Cardinal fans can expect. Uh, it's been a lot of big plays. I mean, I play with a lot of passion, uh, a lot of
3: excitement. I haven't even showcased anything I really could do in the NFL yet. Whatever the team asks me to do, I'm going to do. And that's what I did in Baltimore. And, you know, I'm very excited
0: of the potential that I can, I can do in this offense.
1: So Marquise Brown, Darren, is the one gigantic new piece to the offensive puzzle. According to reports, another piece is going to be added to the running back's room in Darrell Williams. How that affects things with James Conner. Do you have that one-two punch, or is it more James Conner, and then all of a sudden Williams becomes the backup if needed? How much does that running back room look right now as it compared to what we might see come week one?
2: I mean, obviously you don't bring back James Conner and give him the kind of contract you did without thinking you're going to lean on him. But, I mean, we've seen this. Over and over the last few years, and even going back to Drew's time, I mean, the great year the Cardinals had in 2015, they went through Andre Ellington and Chris Johnson and David Johnson, and they needed all of those guys that year because that's the position. So, I mean, they're probably at some point going to need a Daryl Williams. They might need uh, Keontae Ingram. They might need Jonathan Ward. We don't know kind of where Eno Benjamin fits. Well, I'm more curious of how this sorts out – if there's no injuries in training camp, how it sorts out in terms of what the depth chart looks like and who they keep on the roster. Uh, but beyond that, I'm guessing whoever it does stick around is going to find a way on the field at some point, not just because of the roles that they might have if everybody's healthy, but in the case that somebody might not be healthy.
1: It's going to be a crowded running back room with Darrell Williams when that signing becomes official. Again, according to reports, he's agreed to terms. The other interesting dynamic here offensively is a full season with Zach Ertz in the fold. And how much does that help not only mitigate the loss of DeAndre Hopkins the first six games, but just make this offense overall better from start to finish as opposed to the great start last year and then falling off the cliff at the end of the season?
3: Yeah, uh, you know, I think anytime you get the nucleus to stay together and, you know, playing a little bit off what Darren was saying, you know what you have in James Conner. You went out and you paid a premium to get a running back of his caliber. So training camp or week one, you know what you're getting. You just want to make sure that arrow is training in the right direction. You look at you know Benjamin, you look at Jonathan Ward. They've been on the roster for a couple of years now. You know what you have. Can you motivate them to make them step their game up? Because now that room is so crowded, you start looking around, you start adding up numbers. And you're like, hey, we're all not going to be here week one. So those guys, you raise the level of competition. Running back is just a, it's a battle of attrition in training camp. Guys are tired, they're sore. I mean, there's a couple guys that that I've seen that have rised up or. Up the ranks because other guys, you know, took the day off. The Wally Pips of the world that were like, "Man, you know, my my arms are sore, my legs are sore." You can't do that in that room. You cannot take any time off. Now, going back to the other point of getting guys like Zach Ertz involved, and again, I'll lean heavily on having Colt McCoy here. the The ability to have him facilitate through the eyes of the lens of what Cliff Kingsbury wants, he can now go because he's been here. Zach Ertz has been here. They know exactly what the coach wants. Being professionals, being able to do that take the ownership within their own room zach can now help out every tight end because he knows what's going on he's an extension of the coaching staff and when you find guys that are play, playing at a pro bowl caliber level on top of being able to be that added dimension as a coach it's such a premium to have this time of year because now you're getting everybody up to speed everybody's pulling in the same direction and you have the ability to adapt and change because the foundation's so strong
1: The one question mark, at least that I can forecast, Darren, when you look at the offense as far as your 11 starters is what happens at right guard. Is it Will Hernandez who the team signed? Could it be one of these two young draft picks? Is it someone not on the roster? They do have numbers, but, again, training camp's going to sort a lot of this stuff out, but I would think you don't go out and get Will Hernandez without at least saying, all right, maybe it's not in ink, but in pencil. He's our starting right guard.
2: I mean, I think that would be the leader in the clubhouse now just because of what you just said. But I think there's a lot to be sorted out there. I mean, I think Kelvin Beecham is going to be your starter at right tackle. But I'm not completely ruling out the idea that Josh Jones, who they definitely would rather have at tackle, possibly could be that guy. Um, You know, and again, the thing that we all talk about when we do all this speculation is – we're assuming everybody ends up healthy, yes. and unfortunately, teams don't end up healthy. Usually, there's one or two things that happen in training camp. You're like, okay, that's that wasn't expected. We weren't. We we're hoping that that wasn't going to happen. Now, I'm not saying that that happens on the offensive line, but again, you've got older guys. That, I'm intrigued by the two drafted guards. But as I've said on some other platforms, it's weird for this year's draft a little bit uh, with the Cardinals because of the way it happened. They had had the same number of picks that you normally would have, but because they didn't have the fourth rounder and the fifth rounder, we all talk about these later picks like – we assume that they came earlier, and they didn't. I mean, in any other draft, you're talking about sixth and seventh rounders, which might have a harder time sticking, and you would talk about them that way, and instead we look at them through a different prism because they just happen to be the first names off the board. And, you know, Marquise Hayes, uh, you know, hopefully he can do something, but that's a seventh-round pick. Usually you don't have a whole lot of high expectations for a seventh-round pick. LaSita Smith, a little bit different, but I like the idea that they're trying in center because I think at this point they could use somebody behind Rodney Hudson because, again, when you talk about health and you talk about a guy who's getting older, you don't know exactly what you might be able to get out of Rodney Hudson this year.
1: Those day three picks have been elevated because of the gap between your pick in the third yes. round and then no picks in rounds four and five.
2: I think that's how people are looking at it when you got to kind of remember we're still talking about sixth and seventh round picks.
1: Again, right now as we speak here at the end of May, speculation. Still a lot of time between now and September 11th, but that's what we do here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by Geek. Get your seats in a seat. And if you want a seat to Arizona Cardinals games this year, season tickets available at azcardinals.com slash season for more information. We've hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. When we come back, defense, and the biggest question mark on defense Those two young inside linebackers, a conversation that will not end anytime soon until the regular season begins. Craig Raylo, Drew Stanton, and Darren Urban here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. it off no running room off the right side in fact a loss of two on the play Zabin Collins the first guy
0: there and that is a big man coming down from the weak side shooting the gap Zabin Collins again throws over the middle tipped into the air and
1: incomplete he was going for his tight end pass was off the mark Zabin Collins had
0: coverage that time and it's fourth down Zabin Collins bats that ball into the air with all of that great length Huse check in motion. It is a quarterback.
1: Drop the middle. Lance's hit. Drives the legs forward. Going to be close. The 49ers are short. Zaven Collins with the tackle.
0: Zaven Collins, the rookie, at 260, playing downhill, came in and laid some lumber, baby.
1: Flashes of Zaven Collins in 2021. Need to see more consistency. Just, well, for one, need to see him on the field to begin with. And the Cardinals do expect Zayvon Collins to be that starting inside linebacker. We'll see what happens, but now is when that work is put in. Isaiah Simmons, also you sign those or you draft those two early in the first round, you expect them to be here not just a handful of years, but maybe up to 9, 10, 11, 12 years anchors within that defense as we welcome back here the cardinals red sea report presented by seat get your seats in a seat craig realu drew stanton and darren urban as we talk about the defense and specifically drew about those two young inside linebackers we did see isaiah simmons make that jump from year one to year two now the expectation is and he has his own expectation talking about zayvon collins to make that jump from year one to year two the good news is he has a full off season, which Isaiah Simmons did not have the luxury of going into his second year.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think any time that you can just see stuff and you're going at a slower pace and diagnosing it and adapting and adjusting on the fly, I mean, sometimes when this defense struggled is when they could not adjust to the shifts, the motions, the different things, and guys were not having the gap integrity that I feel like I used ad nauseum last year <laughs> um, with Rob Fredrickson. So in saying that, right, a lot of that, the onus is on the middle linebacker or the the sticker helmet to be able to call adjust and adapt and it's a lot to get thrown at you early on I mean you, you talk about it and we've talked about it when we're going through the combine the process of what these rookies have to go through just to get to the opportunity to play football and then learn a defense of this sophistication it can be overwhelming and I think you get some veteran guys you know they replace one veteran with another but a guy that's really smart cerebral linebacker that can help pour into him you want veteran guys that can help younger guys out that have an immense skill set so getting these these guys on the same page. Again, you're talking about Isaiah Simmons being in the system for another year. Uh, his ability to line up and adjust and adapt. I mean, all three of these linebackers, I think, can be on the field together, too. So maybe you're taking some of the play-calling duties off of him. You have to find ways to get both of these guys to play into their natural ability at the position that they were drafted for. And they can wreak havoc a lot of different ways. you got to manufacture a pass rush. Saban can do that. So this can look so many things, but the foundation will be so much stronger headed into year two for him because of the variables that he had to figure out early on last year are already set in
1: stone a lot's been made about who wasn't here during the first week of OTAs but I think it's more important on who is here and Zayvon Collins has been here not only in OTAs but also during the offseason strength and conditioning program and Darren you had a chance to speak with Zayvon Collins first time this offseason anyone has spoken to him since last season ended on a story on azcardinals.com May 9th about his rookie season I thought he was very honest and upfront about the ups and the downs and utilizing this time now where things can be at a slower pace, where you can sit there and run a play and then spend the next 20, 30 minutes talking with your position coach or Vance Joseph, all right, this went right, this went wrong, here's how we can get better, as opposed to within the game, you don't have that luxury.
2: Yeah, and Drew knows about this. I mean, one of the cliches about uh, players that come into this league is always that... That first offseason after the rookie year is always supposed to be the big one because that rookie year when you come in, you're you're swamped with a combine and trying to figure out where you're going to play in professionally and where you might be drafted and, and going through that whole process and then trying to come in and learn. And now you get the chance to kind of have it laid out. And you mentioned the fact Isaiah Simmons really didn't get that chance last year was still kind of jacked up a little bit. Um I think Zavin's in a, in a good headspace in terms of learning this stuff. He's been here, as far as I can tell, a- almost every day. Uh, you know, being around the coaches, getting his his self himself in shape, and obviously being out there on the field when they've been able to be out on the field. And there's a lot of pressure on him, and that's that's the reality. And there there's nobody that should apologize for that i mean that's the reality of being a, a first round pick and that goes for both these guys and i mean you're sitting here talking about hey maybe maybe these guys can be your anchors for for a decade and at this point i think the cardinals would just be happy to know that these two guys were good enough for this season um you know even isaiah simmons still has has some ups and downs in terms of doing what they're doing i I'm curious to know how ultimately they get used. Um, you know, Drew was mentioning, you know, you need them to, to excel in the positions they were drafted for, which was those two inside linebacker roles. But do you have Isaiah Simmons come off the edge some more uh, because you don't have Chandler Jones anymore? Might Zavin Collins do that once in a while? Will you use three, quote-unquote, inside linebackers sometimes? Um Whatever happens, I think these two guys need to be on the field no matter what because they're your first-round picks, and you need to have that kind of uh, some solid production from them, and they need to learn sooner rather than later, and that's that's a lot on them, but that's the position they're in. and you know for the Cardinals hopefully that they're able to accomplish that.
1: And putting that time in right now something J.J. J. Watt recently on the Dave Hash podcast spoke of as far as with Collins and Simmons on making sure that they are successful as opposed to being those first round question marks here with the Arizona Cardinals.
3: Um, I think it's all about time you put in and I think it's about repetition and just consistency. I think that the more time that you're able to commit to the job, and that you're able to learn and grow, and the more time that you have to learn the playbook and the plays, and see as many looks as possible—whether it's walkthroughs, whether it's practice, whether it's off-season program, training camp, whatever it may be—and being able to do those things over and over and over again, that's when you really get good. I think that uh, having an off-season program is going to help them a lot because we haven't had one—a true off-season program—for a few years, especially since they've been in the league.
1: You hope that those two can find footing by themselves and not have to rely on someone else. Now, based off of the fact that you don't have a Chandler Jones, maybe you do run three inside linebackers with the third being Nick Vigil, you don't want to have what happened last year where you go in with a plan and then all of a sudden here's Jordan Hicks and you can't get him off the field because you don't trust a Zayvon Collins. That can't happen this season. Yeah, I
3: mean, especially we know the MO of the teams in this division. They want to run the football. They want to establish the run. All three of these other teams are going to try and do that. So if you take that away, that's the biggest key to trying to determine a victory on that given Sunday or, or whatever day the game is. So in saying that, you need your two thumpers inside. You need your draft capital on the field working for you. Even if they are not great initially, now is the time to put their hand to the fire because it can't be the last week of the season and all of a sudden, you know, no offense to the other linebackers that were out there and you're trying to go big personnel, we are missing some guys that everybody's sitting there scratching their head for. But it was probably for a reason. Those excuses are out the window now. You need guys on the field that are going to make those plays for you because, let's face it, they were drafted that high for a reason, and they have to have the wherewithal to go out there. And it might not always turn out well, but they got to be at least out there in a position to be successful.
1: I'll say this, Darren. As Avin Collins told you, it was, quote, a blessing to have been mentored by Jordan Hicks. So it's not like there was any issues. Hicks just – no. He can't be here if he wants Avon Collins to be the guy that you hope to be.
2: The training wheels are off, and they need to be off. And now it's time for Vance Joseph to give Avon the push in the back, and let's see if the, the bike stays up.
1: And there are going to be some stumbles, maybe. A little wobbly early on. Oh, well, yeah, I was going to say you recover with the bike reference there. <laughs> little stumbles. <laughs> well, you know, I didn't need training with <laughs> We spoke about JJ Wan on the episode 30 of the Day Pash Podcast. Catch up on past episodes. Follow the Day Pash Podcast here via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at Hash Pod. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Here we go. Here we
0: go. They're getting this ball. Damn, I got a bug in my ear. You just got to tighten it down on that. On follow if you're number three, just because you got to get over there. Let's go! Give me that ball. Living the dream. Look at this thing, man. There's palm trees. And football paradise, that's right. Come on, we gotta catch that, man. Catch the ball.
2: All day. Bring it up, bring it up, bring it up. Hey, good job today, man. High energy. Keep it up, man. Keep rolling. Team on three. One, two, three.
1: Cardinals rookie tight end Trey McBride mic'd up during rookie minicamp and McBride the headliner if you will of the Cardinals 8 member 2022 draft class and to your point earlier in the show here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek get your seats in a seat Darren without a first round selection McBride has become that guy Yeah, and you hope that he does make an immediate impact but he does have Zach Ertz in front of him, and he's also one of those players that you don't know when you have a rookie how quickly you can get up to speed, whether that's week one, week eight, or maybe not until next season.
2: It's a – it's a th- that whole situation is really fascinating to me, to be honest. I mean, they their first pick in the draft ends up being a tight end. They felt like too good to pass up, definitely – Uh, not just for 2022, but I think looking forward. um, They had already re-signed Zach Ertz, who's going to be your number one tight end. You know, again, when I think of Trey McBride, the first thing I think, and what he does this year, the first thing I think of is, again, Max Williams. Where is Max Williams with his rehab? How much is Max Williams going to be able to give you, especially right out of the box? It's It's a curious question because if Max Williams is where he was at the beginning of last year, which I, I don't know if he's going to be able to be right away. But if he is, then Trey McBride might just be playing a lot of special teams. But um – I don't know where Max Williams is going to be, and, and so you might need a lot of Trey McBride right out of the box to help you. I mean, he's not going to be what you need out of Zach Ertz, but you're you're going to need that, I think, in terms of what you want to do with his offense, maybe run a little bit more. I, I think Trey McBride, ultimately, they see him as somebody who might be a little bit better of a blocker than Zach Ertz. And And let's face it, if you have two tight ends out there, you can disguise what you're doing a little bit more than Uh, if you just run a a lot of, you know, ten personnel.
1: There are a lot of question marks with any rookie, no matter where you're selected, first round, sixth round, and whichever team. But when you're looking for a rookie to make an immediate impact outside of the quarterback where you basically handed the keys and said, all right, go do your job. With these eight players, whether it's McBride or keontae ingram as a running back or one of these young edge rushers certainly there's a need at edge rusher so they're going to be given a better longer opportunity but is there a is there a position drew where a rookie can come in and say all right we expect this much out of you week one and you should be able to do it well you know as we we're talking about uh, marquise brown or when is he going to be
3: hollywood to you how many touchdowns does he need?
1: You know, <laughs> I was having this discussion the other day. I, I don't know. I, I just don't feel like. Okay, yeah, you don't know. It's no,
3: Hollywood. There's no personal for There's no I personal just, connection. Man, okay, so and saying that, so it just sounds weird. I just to want to know how to address gentleman him to you, gentlemen. Hollywood. Like, do you have a nickname, Drew? I mean, no, nothing to, cool like, like that. Uh, see, that's, by any means. So, and saying that, <laughs> some of these guys, right? There's challenges that go into each and every position. Uh, a running back when you put the ball in his hands you are no longer coaching him he's going there based off of that he has certain uh, launch points there's holes to hit there's keys within the run game that he's reading the backer the way a defensive lineman goes all those things i think that is a position if he can learn protections and see the whole picture is a very capable spot to be put in whether he's a third down back and he doesn't have to worry like there's so many little nuances pass rusher you would think hey it's like a wind-up doll you just pull the cord and he goes in and tries to get after the quarterback that's one that's a little bit easier tight end there's a lot more nuances to it you got to be able to run within the pass game you've got to be able to block within the run game and those tight ends are asked to do a lot now i don't think just by connecting dots based off of only seeing it from the peripheral they needed to go out and make this pick, and they felt really good about the value of where he fell because obviously, Max Williams, he's not going to be the point that he's at. And for them to not have to be pigeonholed into staying in a certain type of personnel or Z- keep Zach on the field nonstop, this gives them flexibility for right now, for the portion of the season, and for many years to come. So I think the pick was a necessity uh, when they got him where they got him. Uh, and those are the positions that I think will be a little bit more difficult. But again, you're drafting him in the second round and this guy's going to immediately help us. Pass rushers later in the draft, offensive linemen later you know, down the line, sixth, seventh round. Look, there's nothing saying they can't come in and compete right away. There's many undrafted guys that have started week one. It's the impression they make that when they get here uh, that lends you to believe that. But when you're investing in a pick as high as a second round, third round, you're looking for them to contribute in some capacity right off the bat.
1: It's going to be a lot harder for those day three picks to contribute. But Ingram does have an opportunity. And again, there's the report that Daryl Williams will be signed. So that complicates matters a little bit. But Ingram does have the size and the ability not only to run but catch the ball out of the backfield. But when it comes to running between the tackles or bouncing to the outside, Ingram on the Big Red Rage with Paul Calvisi as far as what kind of running style he prefers.
0: If you're in the open field and you're one-on-one with a DB, would you rather run around him, give him the head fake, the head and shoulders, or lower the boom What's your mentality? I would say depends on the situation because I love laying the boom. I love taking a person's wheel, you know,
1: over and over and over 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 again, you know. So I would just say
0: depending on the situation. But if it's five seconds left and we down by three, of course you going to know what I'm gonna go with. So
1: <laughs> the other sixth round selection in the draft: offensive lineman Lissette Smith. This is another player that, again, you talk to coaches, you talk to front office personnel, specifically Quentin Harris on the Day Patch podcast recently called Smith a steal as far as an offensive guard. But it's a sixth round selection, Darren, and how much can you ask of a sixth-round pick unless, you know, maybe they do find that guy, that steal in the sixth round and he's able to contribute. But right now he's behind Will Hernandez as far as open spots on that offensive line
2: i mean like drew said i mean they we're going to get into training camp a little bit of otas a little bit of mini camp but when we get to training camp we're going to know very quickly if he can make some those kinds of strides that quickly um and, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to be able to make that push, but I don't think the bar is so high with all due respect to Will Hernandez. I don't think the bar is so high that it would be impossible to have something like that happen. You know, again, the offensive line is in a position and we've talked about this before, Craig, you know, other than Rodney Hudson, uh, all those other guys that are. Presumed starters on the offensive line are going into the last year of their contract. I mean, there's there's a lot of unknowns beyond this season. So when we start talking about Lasita Smith or Mar uh, Marquise Hayes or or any of these guys, even Josh Jones, we you know there there's like future. Offensive lines that have to be considered at some point of, of who's going to be out there blocking for presumably Kyler Murray beyond just this year. So, you know, I, I like the idea of LaCeda Smith maybe being a steal there. I like the idea, like I said before, of him potentially working at center because that's another position that has gone uh they haven't gone and really gone after anybody. They've tried to make a couple draft picks in the past. They didn't pan out. They got Rodney Hudson. I think it's clear that we're getting to the point where how much more does Rodney Hudson left have in the tank? So you, you're going to have to do something. Is Sean Harlow a guy that, you know, is going to be your backup center? I don't, I don't
1: know. Well, right now he is, at least according to the yeah. head coach, although he did add – Right now, he added two words when it came. Somebody
2: to. else has got to be there if it's not Sean Harlow, though.
1: You got to have a backup and maybe a backup to the backup. But when you look at the rookie class, to me, Drew, it's Cameron Thomas. It's my Jay Sanders. The need at edge rusher, where you can say, "All right, go get the quarterback." Yet. Because that is the biggest hole to me still on this defense, as far as who's going to be that guy opposite Marcus Golden.
3: Yeah, and you can manufacture pressure different ways. I mean, Vance is very good at calculating things and being able to break things down. But you want the luxury of say, I've only got to, I've only got a rush four here, right? And I can drop seven in the coverage. I can change the picture. I can change the look and get home with four. The teams that are really good, the defenses that are very good and elite, they're getting pressure with four. So that's really what you want in a perfect world. But there's a lot of questions to be had. I out there and that's what training camp is all
1: about a lot of questions we'll get those answers hopefully sooner rather than later but certainly a lot to talk about which we do each and every tuesday here on the cardinals red sea report presented by Geek. get your seats in a seat by the way cameron thomas since our last show signed so now the entire 2022 arizona cardinals draft class has put the Pen to paper all of them under contract for the next four seasons special thanks to those behind the scenes our senior broadcast manager and producer jim amahundro technical director lauren koval for drew stanton darren urban i'm craig Rio, we'll talk to you in one week's time it's the cardinals red sea reports on the arizona cardinals radio network